0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. From the Oxygen Network reality show, Rich in Faith, Rich Wilkerson, Jr. talks about his book, Sandcastle Kings.
1: I don't know, I just have these memories of taking a lot of time building a sandcastle and putting, you know, detail into it, building the moat, because, you know, you got to build a moat and working on it for hours. But no matter what, you know, you'd leave that day. and When you came back the next day, that sandcastle had collapsed. And when I read Jesus' words there, it just spoke to me because it's not just kids who are building sandcastles.
2: Welcome to Life Today. You know, we all build our lives on something. Is it it really something we should build our lives on? That's what we're talking about today. Not just building on, on something that may not last, but building on a firm foundation. What does that look like? Welcome to Life Today. I'm Randy Robinson, Sheila Walsh is here.
3: Greetings, earthlings. I am so excited about today's show because I actually had the opportunity to hear this guy preach when I was in Australia. And my 18-year-old son, 18-year-old son to me, said to me, Mom, any time that man opens his mouth, I wanna hear it. Hmm. So when you have somebody who so captivates an 18-year-old, you really know that God's anointing is on him. Yeah, my 18-year-old will not listen to me. Yeah, well, we'll deal with that later. That's okay. another show. Okay. That's one of okay. on well, rejection. Yeah, yeah. Can
2: we uh, welcome Rich Wilkerson, Jr.? <laughs>
3: Thank <laughs>
1: you so much. Glad to have you. Man. Oh, man, I am, I am delighted... And honored to be here. I'm really, really grateful for this opportunity. I love what this program has done for so many years and thankful to your parents and thankful for what life today really represents and taking the gospel really to the ends of the earth and putting the message out there. So it's my privilege to be here today and I'm excited about it's, it. it. It's
2: good to have another PK here who's doing good things just to
1: prove to the world we don't well, all <laughs> turn out bad, right? Well, you and I were joking. The jury's still out. I mean, I'm only 30, <laughs> so pray for us. You know, PKs, we, we, we have a way of, you know, getting into mischief a little bit. But yeah, and for yeah.
3: those who don't know, Language that would be pastor's kids. There it is, right there. there. You preachers' kids, preachers' kids. It's, preacher's so, kids. it's kind yeah. of like
2: an exclusive society yeah. with our own thing. And the only thing worse are our EKs, the what's uh, that? I don't know what that kids, is. and the MKs, the missionaries' kids, and, wow. and then the DKs, the deacons' kids. Forget about them. Deacons' kids. Wow, don't Am mess I, with the deacons' right, kids. Yeah, right? that's true. So, moving quickly along. Uh, before we get into Sandcastle Kings, which is, is your new book, yes. and we're going to talk about some really powerful truths, I know Sheila has been impacted by this you, book, but, right? Okay, I want to ask about something because I know a lot of people that tune in, they're going, I've seen that guy, or they're tuning in because they've seen that guy <laughs> on. Uh, another network with uh, Rich in Faith, the yeah. reality show, or they've heard your name and sort of the pop culture thing because there've been a lot of celebrities come through your church down in South Miami, <laughs> right? Sure. So, yeah. so what's up with the whole kind of pop culture thing you got
1: going well, on? I, I don't really know if I have the best answer for that. You know, I think that we are a church in Miami, it's called Voo Church and uh, my wife and I've got to lead it. And really our church is just for all people. And I think we work really hard at saying everybody's welcome. In fact, I really believe the, the message of Jesus is you belong before you believe, you belong before you behave. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden." And so I think that we've tried to create a community that's welcoming to all people. And so with that, if you're going to reach all people, you're going to reach People that, you know, nobody knows their name, but you might also reach some people that everybody knows their name. And so uh, with that, we've seen sorts of, you know, all sorts of different people kind of come through the doors throughout the years. And uh, I think sometimes I kind of get put into a category that is not a category that I've strategized or tried to get into. But um, it's just something the Lord's led us into.
2: But I, uh, I think that's important. It's, it's not that you're seeking a spotlight. It's just you're seeking to be used by God and he chooses to use you in areas where other people are in the spotlight.
1: Well, yeah, I think I remember one time some guy came up to me and said, man, I want to do what you do, which is like reach high profile people. I just said, man, reach high profile. Well, I don't mean, know what a high profile person is. Everybody's high profile. And I think if we just make our effort to reach people, it's amazing what where God will take us and lead us. And so um, that's kind of just been our story. And we just kind of try to follow where God leads us and Good. we just try to serve people. And um, we always say at our church, you know, Jesus is our message, people are our heart. And uh, I just want to create a church where everybody feels welcome to come in, whether they're famous, nameless, whether they're a pop star or not. And so uh, lots of people come through our doors and we're grateful for it. Yeah,
3: I think yeah. it's interesting, though, that um, your cover, um, that Kanye West actually designed your cover. <laughs> but it was interesting because you quote a couple of lyrics of his in your book, which I found fascinating. He talks about, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get them right, but almost right. like that those who get to the very top of the ladder are the most insecure of all. Or something. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Uh, This book, Sandcastle Kings, is really a book that we're
1: trying, and I believe we've already seen, where it's invading some dark spaces. And this is the message of Jesus. You know, I think Jesus' message really is a message for all people. Uh, I love this idea, you know, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And what I've just discovered on my journey is that people aren't necessarily hungry for, you know, another church or more religion, but they are hungry for Jesus. He has the greatest message ever told, which is is the gospel, good news, that Jesus says, I came to take everything that you deserve so that you can get everything that I deserved. And yeah, we had the the cover done by Kanye. He's a friend of mine. He's on the journey of faith. Uh, I love him. I think one of the things I've learned in life is that you don't have to, you know, approve uh, or even agree with everything that somebody does in order to accept somebody. Right. On the flip side of that, you know, if you disagree with somebody, that doesn't give us the right to disrespect somebody. Yeah. And I think that right now, one of the kind of the big issues we've got in our country is that whenever we disagree, we feel like that gives us room to disrespect one another. And I don't ever want to be a person like that. I want to be a person who stays in the conversation. And so getting Connie to do the artwork. I'm not here to be an advocate of any, he's a friend of mine, but I do think when the history books are written that he'll go down as one of the modern artists of our generation. And as you look back throughout church history, if you go all the way back to the Sistine Chapel, which, you know, evangelical Christians to Catholics go all the way to Rome, to the Vatican to kind of have an experience and they'll walk into the Sistine Chapel and go, oh my goodness, I feel the presence of God. And they look up and there, the Sistine Chapel was painted by the artist of the day, Michelangelo. Well, Michelangelo was not a follower of Jesus. If you look at the history books, but as you study church history, what you'll see is the church, always called upon some of the greatest artists of the day and I think if we've got the greatest message which is the content inside that book which is the gospel I think that we should you know cover it in great art and so I'm glad that we got Kanye to do the art uh, the art on the outside the covers cool I say the content is life-changing and so I'm hoping it just is a tool yeah. to get into some spaces that I say that gospel doesn't belong
2: I'm glad for Kanye's sake that you're his friend mm. And I hope that that's my prayer for for anyone high profile, low profile, no profile that comes through your church is that they will say that that guy who loves Jesus is truly my friend, Mm. so.
3: One of the most powerful things I think about um, your book, Rich, is you start, you tell that story that we find in Matthew about the wise man and the foolish man building their castles. And as I read through your book, I thought it's even more relevant today than it was when Jesus told that story. What, what caused you to choose, on, choose that one particular thing of the idea of sandcastles yeah. to show where we're at as a culture?
1: Yeah, you know, for me, I grew up in a, in a strong Christian home. I'm four generations preacher on both sides. Um, <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble growing up for sure. Uh, my first slow dance was to our God is an awesome God. <laughs>
2: That's That's
1: so. Pray for me. I mean, I've got, I've got real problems. Um, Yeah, yeah, you know. And the Lord wasn't joking when He kicked him out of Eden. Our God is an awesome God. Come here, girl. It's weird. You know, it's very weird. Um, (laughs) But I grew up in a strong Christian home. But you know, I had parents that um, were conservative. They were strict. But you know what I love about my parents is my parents raised us in a grace-filled home. And there's a spirit of grace, you know what I mean? Uh, Even in the midst of lots of rules, you can carry that spirit. My parents, no matter what they preach, they always always lived that out. And in 1998, we moved from Tacoma, Washington to Miami, Florida, where my dad took over a little inner city uh, Assemblies of God church. And uh, I kind of went from this world of Tacoma where my grandfather kind of pastored this big suburban sort of mega church to now going to this inner city urban church where I was like the only white skinned kid in the place. And I went from being the majority to the minority. Everything about making that move was just full of change. I mean, uh, the climate, uh, the people, the food, the topography, I mean, everything I can think of, it was just one word would be change. Yet the one thing that always kind of ran the same to me, Sheila, was going to the beach. We always grew up going to the beach, and one of my favorite things to do at the beach was to build sandcastles. And I think just looking back on life, I don't know, I just had these memories of taking a lot of time building a sandcastle and putting, you know, detail into it, building the moat because, you know, you got to build a moat and working on it for hours, but no matter what, you know, you'd leave that day and when you came back the next day, that sandcastle had collapsed. It was, I mean, either rain had fallen, either the, the tides had come in, someone had thrown a football, a little boy had walked over and stumbled on it and it just collapsed. And when I read Jesus's words there, it just spoke to me because it's not just kids who are building sandcastles. We as adults, we build our lives like the song that Kanye talks about where we kind of create these lives where we have so many things that are decorated and we think we've got all the trappings of life, whether it's our bank account, whether it's our titles in front of our name, whether it's our health, um, whether it's the person we marry or the person we fall in love with, whether it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, whether it's even religion. All of these things in and of themselves, at times they can be good things. But what Jesus makes really clear is that a good thing becomes a bad thing when you make it the foundational thing. And to build your life on any of these things is like sand. And the reality of life is is that the wise man and the foolish man had to face the storm, meaning wisdom did not prevent the storm. We can't prevent storms. Mm -hmm. We can prepare for them by making sure that we have the right foundation. What is that foundation? Well, this book, I believe, is an advocate to say that Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus says, I'm the king of kings, lord of lords. I am the chief cornerstone, I am the rock. He's the only thing worth building a life on. He didn't come for a makeover, came for a takeover of our lives.
3: Woo, I love that. That's good, that'll
1: preach. Come on, well, I'm just... I'm, That's awesome. I'm trying Sheila Wall, ladies and gentlemen.
2: The interesting thing I, I take away from, from, I mean, there's a lot of great things in there, but when you talk about it rains on the one who builds their foundation on on the rock and it rains on the one who builds their foundation on the sand is unbelievably true. And and a lot of Christians think if if I just built my house on the rock or, you know, if I'm a good Christian and I go... Then life's easy. Then I won't get any rain. Yeah.
1: But but we, we get it. Absolutely, Jesus never promises a problem-free life. He just promises that he'd walk through every storm with us. Mm-hmm. He is Emmanuel, he's God with us. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've got to discover that there's this thing called a journey called faith. And you know, I think one of the most powerful things about this book, this whole book is based on one chapter of the Bible. I'm, I'm by no means any theologian. I, I could only handle one chapter. And, and uh, that chapter has got four different stories and really the book doesn't blatantly say this but each one of those stories for me in the outline of my mind represented a common castle that i think people tend to build on right. and once again these castles every day i find myself in one of these categories i mean it's like it's every day i have to reprogram every day i have to resubmit my life over to jesus and say wait a minute i want to build on you i want to be trusting in you. And Luke 7's got four beautiful stories. The faith of the centurion, the widow at Nain, John the Baptist in prison, doubting Jesus, uh, the woman with the alabaster box. And the first story is really the trust in self. Uh If I just got more, if I can do more, then I'll deserve this. The second story is the trust in others. If I've got the right people around me, my boss, if I can get the approval of him or her, if I can marry this guy, even my kids. I mean, these are all good things, but they're nothing to build a life on. People... They actually don't complete us, they actually just compliment us. Yeah. Um, the third story, John the Baptist in prison doubting Jesus is the sandcastle of religion. If I do enough good things then somehow God will owe me but the flip side is if I do enough bad things, will God reject me? Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus didn't come to institute religion, he came to establish a relationship with us. And so it's about trusting in him. And the four stories, the one with the alabaster box, which most theologians would tell us they believe that she was a prostitute, meaning she probably didn't grow up wanting to be a prostitute, but somewhere on her journey, she decided to you know, believe the lie that uh, instant gratification was possible. And so she took the, the quick path and we don't know how she got there, but one day she hears about Jesus. And I just think about this woman you know, so often in life, I think about this woman that she had dealt with people who had rented her body, who had given her a wage and who had then just used her, abused her and went on. But one day she heard about Jesus and Jesus doesn't come to rent us. He came to buy us back. He, he wants to own us. Wow. And what I love this idea is, is that when we rent something, we're careless with it. But when you own something, you're quite careful with it. Yeah. And Jesus, he's not careless with people. He is so, so careful because he came and he paid the ultimate price, which was to lay down his life in exchange for ours. Jesus did not just die for us. It's better than that, he died as us. He took all of our sin, he took all of our bad deeds, and in exchange, he gave us all of his righteousness. And it is the most powerful story ever. And I believe as you read the pages, it's a book that, is obviously for a non-Christian. I think it's an easy introduction to Jesus. I think it's for a person who's in a storm. But even more than that, Paul time and time again writes, I want to remind you of the gospel. It's a book for me because the gospel is not my entry level. The gospel is my entry level. It continues my journey. And that's where I finish is with the gospel. We never graduate from this message. And I think as I read this book, it reminds me, I want to build my life on Jesus, the firm foundation. I might bend, but we don't have to break.
3: Now, I, well, now you probably guess why I really love this book. Yeah, yeah. I want to jump back to the, the third story you tell, yeah. the one about John the Baptist. Because honestly, of all the passages in Scripture Ooh. that has arrested me and challenged me and encouraged me in my faith, um, this is one of the main passages. Because John, you know, set it up a little for us. John, you know, he's the one that's got to say, Behold the Lamb of God. But yeah. now he's in prison. And what's happened to him?
1: Well, you know, I think Sheila and I, you and I were chatting the other day. And, you know, this is one of those kind of stories in the Bible that I'm even as a young preacher so nervous to come around because there's some things in the Bible where it's like, I don't want to lend my voice to that because I haven't lived enough to experience this. And for me to even make comments on John the Baptist is scary for me. But it's, it's a profound story because we see so many facets of Jesus in it but also we discover some powerful truths. John the Baptist, who is maybe the most powerful preacher that ever walked the planet aside from Jesus. And you know, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He was, the, he was the cousin of Jesus. He's out in the wilderness saying, you know, preparing a way for the Messiah, repent, be baptized. I mean, this guy was fierce. He was full of passion, full of conviction. Uh, he didn't have a church website, didn't have a great church strategy. He wore not cool clothes. He was in camel clothes, eating weird food. And yelling at people, you know, and, it kind of was him back then. I, maybe it was hip, I mean, Yeah, you know, he was he was the the hipster pastor, I guess, right. back then. But people were coming from everywhere, religious people, lost people, and he's baptizing them. And all of a sudden, one day, Jesus shows up, and John sees him and says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world." I love that he says "takes away" because Jesus doesn't just cover our sin; he cancels and takes mm-hmm. away our sin. And there's this beautiful exchange that we read about where they kind of have this, you know, you baptize me. No, you baptize me. And finally, you know, John gets it. He submits to Jesus and he baptizes him. And when he does, the Bible says that the heavens open up and that a dove comes down. And then the audible voice, I believe God spoken in me, but I've still yet to hear the audible voice right, of God. Right. This is like an amazing moment. I mean, John says, I must become, you know, I must decrease so that you can increase. Right. And he speaks all of this stuff about Jesus. But then we read in Luke chapter seven, we see this completely different facet of John. This guy that we've always seen as being so strong, so courageous, so full of passion is now in a prison cell because he spoke the truth against Herod and now he's awaiting his execution. As, As he sits in the prison cell, I can only imagine what he must have been thinking about but he calls his disciples to him and says, hey guys, can you go and find Jesus? And will you ask Jesus Will you just ask him, is he really the one we were hoping for, or should we expect somebody else? I mean, just getting the word as the disciples must have been confusing to those guys. Wait a minute, John. What are we doing out here? We we, we were out there when you baptized him. We we saw the heavens open up, and we heard God's voice. What do you mean? I can just hear John going, I know, guys, but you're out there, and I'm in here. And until you go into a situation where you feel cramped and in a prison, that's probably the first place that you begin to ever doubt Jesus. And those people that say, I've never doubted Jesus, are people that have probably never really been in the battle long enough. Mm -hmm. But these disciples, they go to Jesus with this news and with this request. And even the request in itself, you know, is a pretty crazy request because if one of us were to say it right now, they'd probably not let us preach in any more churches. They'd probably take (laughs) away our titles and say, oh, he's lost his mind. But they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, John's wondering if you're the one who he said he is. And Jesus' response is amazing. He quotes Isaiah and he says, "You know, tell John the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear, mm-hmm. the good news is preached, the captives are set free." Mm-hmm. And then he says these words that, honestly, I think I, I think about them every week. Mm-hmm. He says, "Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me." Another version says, "Blessed is the man who's not offended with me." Right. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying is, "Hey John, you're going to be blessed if you don't lose faith now." What he's saying is, "Hey John." I'm not coming to rescue you the way that you want to be rescued. Hey, John, this isn't gonna end the way you want it, but I'm telling you, John, if you don't give up now, there is a greater blessing than you can ever imagine. And I've always thought to myself, you know, I knew Jesus could produce faith, but is it possible for Jesus to reduce faith in my life? And the answer is yes, the moment you turn Jesus into your genie instead of your God, And this idea of religion is, hey, I do this, and then God, you do that. And guess what? God is in debt to no man. This is about trusting in Jesus through the mountaintops, through the valleys, when I can't see him at all. We're telling God's story, not our story. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that John, he didn't recant the faith. Mm-hmm. John was executed, still believing in Jesus. But what I love so much about the story, she Sheila, what encourages me, because I don't know, I've never been in a prison cell. It's easy to preach it. It's another thing to live it. But what's interesting to me is that as those disciples go back, they never hear this. John never hears this. But Jesus starts to talk about John. In fact, he starts to gossip about John. I don't know if you've ever wondered, if does Jesus gossip? He does. And what he does, he says good stuff about yeah. you. So that's, that's yeah. called good gossip. Yeah. And Jesus says, I want to tell you something about John. John was the greatest man ever born of a woman. And the revelation that kind of hit my life is that when I'm doubting Jesus, he's still bragging on me. Wow. Wow. That's who our God is. Even when I'm faithless, the Bible says He's still faithful. He doesn't do love. He's full of love. The only thing that's different about Jesus are His mercies every morning. And um, this, my friend, is so much deeper than religion. It's not about striving. It's not about achieving. It's about a God who says, even when you doubt me, Mm -hmm. there's still a great blessing in front of you. Mm -hmm. I still see the best in you, even when you can't see the best in your situation. So much good stuff. So much. And we could go on and on.
2: Get the book. Yeah, get the book. And I'm gonna tell you you how to get the book in just a second. But there are a lot of people right now, I think, that are wondering, does God see me? Does God care about me? Will God hear my cry? I want you to meet some of those people and I want you to watch and see how you can be a part of meeting them in the name of Jesus and showing them, yes, God does still see you, care about you and love you. Watch this.
0: You know, if you were thirsty <laughs> in Africa or in many of the remote parts of the world, you'd walk up to a stream like this and say, oh, I've got great water. But what you don't realize is in this area alone, thousands of people got cholera, serious severe diarrhea, many people, that cost them their children.
3: This scene is so
1: typical um, around the world. This is their water source, and yet you can see that it is filled with trash, it is filled with cow manure that's flowing into
3: this stream, but she has no option, this is it. This is filthy, dirty water, and they're drinking this stuff.
1: You have to understand in every single village around the globe right now, there's a hospital with a dying child that is related to water. There are so many children and babies that die every day because they have no clean water. Now I want you to understand what that means, is that translates into lives in all the rural villages of mothers and children that are drinking filthy
0: water and they can't do anything about it because it's all the water that they have. I just can't even imagine. This little baby is so precious, so beautiful. Her mother loves her so much, and I want to see this little baby live healthy because we've
2: given some fresh water to them.
1: But don't think that you can't do something about it because it's so enormous. You can because it starts with one child, one family,
3: one village at a time.
0: So we're not really talking about equipment. We're not just talking about drilling a hole in the ground. We're talking about saving lives.
3: This one child you can see, wants the water, needs the water, and her little community now has it because of your gift. She will grow up with clean water. That's maybe a small item to you, but to these children it's life. Let's not forget that. Please, these children need it now, and there are children all over the world who don't have it. So your gift will make a difference.
2: You can be that difference and you can be that difference today, right now, in the lives of so many. Now, this is the last week of this current Water for Life outreach campaign. So we need to hear from you. We've got some nice gifts that we would like to give you. Um, But beyond that, when you look at the breakdown of of what we do, $4,800 is the average cost of a well, wherever we drill it around the world. You might be able to give the $4,800 Maybe you can give $48 and help provide water for 10 people. I want you to understand that this is not just a a one-time deal. This is investing for the lifetime of most of those people who need that water, the clean drinking water. You're not just giving a cup of water in Jesus' name as he says we should do. You're giving a lifetime of clean drinking water. Your gift today can go far beyond you will ever see. And that is the great blessing of us coming together in the name of Christ and doing what we can. Sheila, I know you've seen us do this now for, for many years. Uh, what, what an opportunity.
3: I mean, this is so doable. You know, if you think about the well, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of you might be able to do that and that's fantastic. But $48 provides clean water for 10 children for the rest of their lives. I can't imagine my son you know, having to pick up water like that in a bottle that's filthy. I mean, think of the the amount of money you spend a week just, you know, going for coffee or even if the family goes to a movie, if you skip one of those and you could provide just for $48 clean drinking water for 10 children for the rest of their lives, we can do this, people. We can't let this happen on our watch.
2: We always tell them why we're there. We don't just give them water, we give them the water of life. So go to the phones, go online, Make the best gift you can, but more importantly, just be a part. We need you to be a part of the hands of Christ as we reach around the world and we share water for life.
0: Every day, children living in extreme poverty are forced to make a dreadful choice. Drink filthy, polluted water filled with deadly disease or die from thirst. No child should ever be faced with this decision. The good news is there is a solution. Mission Water for Life is one of the most proven and viable demonstrations of God's love in the world today. Suffering can end because clean water changes everything. With your gift today, you can help establish and drill 500 water wells in remote villages in over 15 different nations. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five people. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. 72 dollars will provide for 15 people and 144 dollars will help provide fresh water for 30 people for a lifetime with your gift we would like to send you pastor robert morris new book frequency as you read you'll discover how to hear god's voice receive direction for your life and experience a deeper connection with god with your gift of $100 or more. You'll also receive the Hearing God Daily Journal and scripture pen, a wonderful way to record what God is impressing on your heart and a beautiful keepsake for your daily prayer time. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and you may request our beautiful Majesty Bronze Sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write or make your gift online today. Do go to the
2: phones or go online right now. Give the best gift you can. You can make a huge difference. Just join with us and share water for life. Sheila, uh, do you think maybe they should request this book when they call today? Yes!
3: I mean, really, I, I get the privilege of reading so many books, but honestly, Rich, I mean, this, is, this really is a gift. This really will change people's lives. Um, so we would love to make this available to you if you would like to stand with us and make a difference in the rest of the world.
1: We're going to give away a few of your books, is that right? We can give away as many as you want, yeah. I'm I'm just honored. When you got Sheila Walsh talking about your book, it makes you feel a little silly and embarrassed and insecure Is it good? because she's one of the greatest authors, preachers, everything. And so it's like, uh, did you really read my book? Because that's really, really embarrassing to me because I I know I missed some commas somewhere in that thing, you know what I'm talking about? You'll get the the notes back later. Hey, I appreciate
2: all that you're doing. Would you just say thank you to Rich for being (laughs) here? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Do call right now. Request Rich's book when you make your best gift towards Water for Life. Set your DVRs and watch Life Today every day. I said, God, how am I supposed to order my life according to the words of Christ? You said so many things about so many things. Where do I start?
0: Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.